Welcome to Timberline Windsor. Thanks for joining us this weekend. We are a church family that strives to let love live in every facet of our lives. We at Timberline Windsor desire everyone, every man, woman, and child that calls this church family home to be a part of Connections. To join one today, visit our website or download the Timberline app. Enjoy today's message. Hey, uh, we're exploring something here at the beginning of the new year called Following the nudge, following the nudge, and this is kind of part two of that exploration. And, and see, we're seeing following the nudge as something a little bit different than clear-cut obedience. It's not so much following the nudge for me to pay my mortgage every month or take my son Jaron to parkour or date my wife. Those things are my responsibility and my joy, Kirsten, in case you're, you're listening there responsibility and following the nudge, they, they might be related, but when I know clearly what the Lord is calling me to do, it's a matter of obedience. Following the nudge is, is a little bit different than that. It's a little bit more question-based than that. I want to spend some time this week surveying a biblical example and, and be a biblical figure, and because it's maybe our last standalone for quite some time, that's, that's church speak for sermon outside of a sermon series, I get to pick my favorite biblical example, favorite biblical figure, you know, apart from that Jesus guy. It's the last standalone because Starting next week, we're going to embark on something that is unprecedented in my eight years here at Timberline. We're going to spend 15 months, 15 months from next week all the way to Easter 2024, and we're looking at Jesus. Now, hopefully that's not the unprecedented part. <laughs> the unprecedented part is that we're going to spend that time, those 15 months, in the power-packed, fast-moving narratives of the 16 chapters of the Gospel of Mark. The big question asked throughout the book of Mark and asked by believers and unbelievers alike still today is, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? We want to look at his words, his life, his ministry, his death, and his resurrection to point people to the the reality that in him, hope, help, and healing is available for all. With, with an in-depth look like that, I promise each of us will have something powerful to encounter throughout that series. So Timberliners, we want to encourage you to have a renewed posture of evangelism, to not just live out the testimony of our lives, of our faith, and when necessary, use words, but to very tangibly, proactively, intentionally use words and invite people to come and be a part of the experience alongside of us. So as Pastor Brent is here next week and starts this off, there are a few nudges that we're feeling as a church family, bringing people alongside of us at church Nudges to be a part of connections like we talked about last week. And just like the first apostles, finding ways to encounter more and more and more about who Jesus really is and doing that alongside friends. 
and people that might soon become friends. Looking forward to that starting next week. Have you ever wondered about the, the early years of someone's life? I've shared quite a lot about the general roughness and rebellious of my teenage rebellion years. Not pretty, but, but I got a text from a dear friend a couple of weeks back, and, and it just reminded me that amidst all the, the struggle and the frustration and conviction that I look back on, it wasn't all bad. He, he sent me a couple of pictures. I'll share a couple of them. It's, it's convicting, and sometimes it's fun, and it's funny to look back. Here's, here's one pic. That's me and Jaybird tubing there. Bleach blonde hair, that's an interesting style choice there. Then there's another picture of, of us at, before a dance. Good looking gentleman there. It's, it's a reminder to me that, man, when I look back at these pictures, I talk all about how, how much of a struggle my teenage years were, but, but this reminds me that a look back can also be fun and, and enriching and kind of fill out the experience. These are guys that really knew me, knew the good, the bad, and the ugly and still do. And then there's our, just for fun, there's our perfectly timed space mountain shot. Yeah, we had some fun planning that one. So, but a look back can be fun, can, can fill out the picture and help us kind of nuance who, who was this person? What were they really like? Today, I want to look at a guy for whom we have a pretty comprehensive account of his entire life. I would have loved to have known about the early childhood of, of Paul or of Rahab <laughs> or of Peter. Who wouldn't want to know what Peter was like in his teenage years, right? Connection groups, you'll, you'll be able to have some fun with that icebreaker this week. But, but for most biblical figures, we have relatively little information about their upbringing, their early life. One glorious exception is a guy named Samuel. We have the background of Samuel's parents leading up to the dramatic ways in which his mother, Hannah, would become pregnant. We have the accounts of him growing up in the tabernacle, assisting the high priest, Eli. And we continue to follow the ways God directed him to lead and serve the people of Israel as the last and most effective judge into a new position called prophet and as he became the anointer of the first two kings of Israel, King Saul and King David. He's got quite the resume. But his legacy is a little more complicated. Let's take a direct look. Grab your Bibles or Bible apps and find the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel, I want you to be participatory here with me. If you've got Bibles or Bible apps, and, and if not, again, with a nod to the 15 months that we're gonna be in Mark, I really hope you'll continue to bring your Bibles and fill them with notes as we go through that long exploration, detailed exploration of Jesus's life and love together. Man, wouldn't it be great if at the end of the Mark series, Timberliners across northern Colorado were like experts in the life and love and message of Jesus, and our Bibles are just chock full of insights and notes by the end of this series. So bring your Bibles. Be active in studying this together. Our teaching team is not so much doing this sermon series on the book of Mark for you. We're doing it with you. So 
If you don't have a Bible, it would be our honor and our pleasure to get you one. Just grab one from the Bible rack out in the Great Hall. That's why it's there, for that exact purpose. So if today were just a standalone, standalone by itself, then I'd probably love to take all the time we could to look at Samuel's whole life from 1 Samuel chapter 1 all the way through chapter 28. It's a great story with tons of turns and interesting events, but, but we're looking at Samuel's life through the lens of follow the nudge. And I want us to look specifically at something in 1 Samuel chapter 7. You know, as you're looking there, as you're turning there, 1 Samuel chapter 7, throughout the Old Testament and throughout the New Testament, Samuel's a big deal. In Psalm 99 verse 6, David counted his old friend among the great figures of the Hebrew people. He said, Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel also was among those who called upon his name. They called to the Lord and he answered them. And then years later, Jeremiah 15.1, the Lord himself says, Moses and Samuel stood before me. And even after many years more, he's recalled in the accounts of the early church. We see him come up in Acts chapter 3, verse 24, and chapter 13, verse 20. And then kind of as like the Bible's hall of fame, we find Samuel alongside of Gideon, and Samson and David in Hebrews 11, the heroes of the faith. To our Bible writers throughout the Old and New Testament, Samuel's a big deal. But today we're looking at Samuel in the context of following the nudge. So we're going to look at this pivotal transition point that takes place in 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 3. So our guy is trying to do a job that others have repeatedly struggled with trying to lead and serve a waffling and currently wayward and stubborn people back to obedience to the Lord. See, he wasn't blessed with such a good group of people like I'm honored to serve. <laughs> Listen, everyone, he says in verse three, if you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and the Ashtoreth from among you and direct your heart to the Lord and serve him only. Foreign gods of worship like Ashtoreth, who was the Canaanite goddess of love and fertility and war, they had become idols for the people. They had crept into their homes and their daily lives. And Samuel says, you're becoming like the wayward people, Israel, in very serious and very dangerous ways. And you can't have it both ways. If you're going to be people of Yahweh, if you're going to be people of the Lord, do it with all your heart. Put those things out of your house. Take them out of your life and serve the Lord with all your heart. The Lord is a one God faith that leaves no room for any other foreign gods. It's quite the sermon, quite the leader here. And in this period of history, as the people of Israel followed Samuel's leadership, they became more and more established as a one God people. Verse four, so the people of Israel put away the Baals and the Ashtoreth and they served the Lord only. Samuel's sermon had hit his mark. The people responded. 
and then to serve as a reminder of this pivotal turnaround so that it wasn't just a one-time thing that they'd have to repeat later and later because that was the spiritual pattern of the people in Israel at this time. Verse 12 recounts that Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer. For he said, till now the Lord has helped us. He's saying, look, we turned our hearts to the Lord and the Lord went before us and he protected us and he established us. And Samuel decided to set up a stone as like a spiritual landmark. Remember this, people. Remember the simplicity and the blessing and the way it feels when you're aligning with the Lord, when you're serving him with all your heart. As a leader, as someone used directly by the Lord to protect and represent himself to the people he loves so deeply, you can see why I love this guy, Samuel, so much. There would be very clear, do this, obedience times in his life where he was called by the Lord to assist Eli in the tabernacle, when he was established as a prophet and succeeding Eli as the judge over Israel. Very clear, do this obedience times from the Lord. And there were also times that he appears to lead more from like a nudge, not necessarily a clear do this obedience thing, but his messaging to the people of Israel and, and the choice to set up an Ebenezer. These are kind of like creative ways, new ways of trying things with the people, new ways of presenting the message consistent with what God has called him to. I love that. I love how God used Samuel effectively because he learned to follow in obedience and then also listen for the nudges. He positioned himself not only to hear from God and obey when the message was clear, but to follow the nudges, try new things, take proactive action and intentionality to lead the people. That's especially important when the do this things in life change. Does that ever happen to you? Clear cut, I want you to do this, and all of a sudden, something's changed. It did for Samuel. Chapter eight, verse one. When Samuel became old, He made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn son was Joel, and the name of his second, Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. Yet his sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Behold, you are old. And your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. That's an emotional move. It is not easy when the clear cut, I have established you as judge to lead these people, turns into, I want you to step down and I want you to be active in setting up and raising up your successor. (laughs) If lessons from the first part of Samuel's life can teach us that, that if we're faithful in the small things, 
We will grow to be blessed, to be faithful, and have greater opportunity and be able to do greater things. The lesson here in the latter part of his life isn't so rosy. That the do this, clear obedience things that God gives us might circumstantially update from judge at the top of leading the people of Israel to second chair prophet to set up someone in his place. You can't do that if you view your role as your role and the people as your people. As a guy who geeks out over spiritual leadership and biblical discipleship, I love how there's case studies all throughout Samuel's life. But even with this great resume, even with all these leadership principles throughout his life, Samuel's legacy is a little more complicated. I mean, I'm going to treat his story as the success story and the inspiration story because that's what the rest of scripture treats him like, with respect on that level. But, but caught in the very first verses of chapter 8, he clearly missed some nudges and some clear-cut do-this-obedience things with some nasty consequences. It all started with his boys. Now, I won't even continue past that without saying this. Actions of children are not always the result of parenting. Please hear me on that. Some of us have issues in our homes or that started in our homes or, or that developed after children left our homes and feelings of guilt and shame of what did I do as a parent can oppress us to no end. Feelings of reflections like what if I would have just challenge us at every corner. God was the perfect parent. And look what happened in the Garden of Eden. So reflections on Samuel's story are not necessarily reflections on every parent's story. We take each and every one of these considerations on a case-by-case basis. Pay attention to the fellow believers around you and your connections when it comes to your parenting and what you can do or reflections as you look back and follow the nudge in, in the grace of your parenting, okay? Want that to be clear. Talking specifically about Samuel's story, talking specifically about his legacy, I wonder if there were some nudges as a father that he very clearly missed. I am led to ask that kind of question, not just because his boys don't follow in his ways, but because I know from chapter eight that he made a bad decision. His sons had patterns of using their prominence in their position for what? Self-enrichment. And we don't know why that was, whether it was due to a workaholic or absentee father, or maybe because even growing up in the best faith environment possible, we don't know the reasons the boys acted out like this. All we can do is guess, but Samuel didn't have to make them judges. 
There hadn't been hereditary judges before in Israel's history. This wasn't like the, the royal system of England. And it wasn't anything that the Lord instructed him to do as far as we know. So I don't know if Samuel did this out of a misplaced desire to retain some kind of control in his old age or just blind nepotism or, or what his reasons were. But setting up his sons as judges was a bad call. A bad call that had nasty consequences. Because wayward sons that would pervert justice and act in moral failures and take bribes, that's tough enough as a consequence for the heart of a father to see his sons doing that. But because of the prominent role that Samuel placed them in, the people of Israel were compelled to make a bad situation much worse. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. Under Samuel's leadership, the people were supposed to already have a king. And they weren't supposed to be like the other nations, taking their values and taking their systems and modeling themselves after the nations around them. They were supposed to be different. They were supposed to have put all that away and be different than the nations around them. But Samuel's choice in leadership succession set them off. And in God's lamentful summary of the situation, he says, they have rejected me as their king over them. So what's the lesson here? There's, there's plenty there's plenty, but for today's sake, and I want to talk very specifically to the mature in faith or the mature in years or, or any combination of the two, follow the nudge and keep following the nudges. Right now, I want to make sure that you're hearing this very clearly. Don't presume even past faithfulness will always yield to present or future faithfulness. True for Samuel and true for you and me. Don't presume even past faithfulness will always yield to present or future faithfulness. I think I wanna pause on that point a bit. Let that sink in because I know it is for me too. Don't presume even past faithfulness will always yield to present or future faithfulness. We've got the whole scope of our guy Samuel's life, learning from his earliest years, and some of us still find ourselves in a pattern or find ourselves newly, freshly in a pattern of, of learning the basics. And if that's where you're at, great. Keep listening. God is gracious with you. He's forgiving with you and he's actively leading you. Some of us find ourselves very nudgeable where, where we, we think about a person, they come to mind and, and we find ourselves acting and praying for them or, or serving them in some kind of ways, blessing them. That's a, 
That's a posture of proactivity and creativity, kind of like the golden years of Samuel's life and leadership. And then others of us take a really big shove to ever really move. <laughs> like, I will only act in response to my faith if someone makes it very crystal clear exactly what I'm supposed to do. And then I probably need some kind of a reward or a consequence to make sure it really sticks with me. I'll extend Christian service or, or I'll give or I'll extend generosity to others when there's an obligation or a guilt trip. But part, apart from that kind of hit, I'm pretty difficult to nudge. Now, no pun intended, but this is not a moment to nudge the person next to you that you think that applies to. That would be counterproductive at best. But if there is a personal tinge of conviction there, I'm pretty hard to nudge. I'm pretty hard to move. If that's where you're at, I want to encourage you to do this. Listen. Practice listening. Not primarily to me, I am not the Christ. Listen to the life and love of Jesus. Read a chapter or two in advance of the series on Mark. Move a little bit more in the direction that he models. If you're someone that, that finds yourself difficult to be moved, difficult to be nudged, listen. Practice listening. I think I'll take a moment to let that one sink in too. I think there might be some clear do this implications for the people of the church, not just this church, but, but the church overall, and I'm gonna share them in a bit, as well as some follow the nudge things for us. But what is a clear-cut matter of obedience for one person might just be a nudge for another person. Take baptism, for example. Jesus talks about this in a way that is command-natured for the believer. So in general, for followers of Jesus, we are called, even commanded, by him to be baptized. And some of us are very crystal clear on that. Some of you are really excited to be obedient in that and walk in line with what he has revealed to you, and you're excited about the opportunity to get baptized and share your testimony next week. But for other people, it's, it's still in a question-based place. Like, what is baptism? Why should I be baptized? What if I was sprinkled as an infant? Does salvation require baptism? Fantastic questions, and we would love to explore that with you further by joining us tonight at that baptism class you heard about 5 p.m. here at the Windsor campus. And, and attending the class does not mean you have to get baptized, but as you heard earlier, if you are interested in being baptized, we wanna know about it. We want you to at least either join that class or, or come talk with us so that we can help you go through that. For some of us, it's a very clear-cut matter of obedience. I wanna get baptized. And for some of us, it may be more in that question, that nudge-like thing, and that's awesome. Not just an announcement for someone else, but a nudge for you. We'd love for you to follow that nudge.
each of us individually, intricately, personally, and we're all at different points of our faith. And God employs different purposes and, and makes different things clear to us at different times in our life based on the case-by-case individuality that he takes with us. I love him so much for that. If the clear-cut do this in my life has to be a clear-cut do this in your life, that's legalism. And we don't operate that way. Now, a clear-cut do this in my life might be a clear-cut do this for you as well. And to kind of unpack that and allow people to speak into that, that's why we want to surround you with relationships, people that over time in your connections can speak deeply into what God is leading you in. Now, a clear cut, do this for us as a whole is listen. Practice listening. Learn to follow the nudge. Faithfulness with small things leads to greater things. Try new things in, long, in line with your faith and see what God might do, where God might show up as a result. And then when he shows up, set up your Ebenezer, set up a reminder that I was aligning my life with God in that season and, and man, look how it felt. Remember that. But as a church family or believers, are there do this obedience things for the people of the church? I think there might be. With a recognition, and I can't say this preface enough, that some of us may be very new at the very beginning of understanding who Jesus is, or even finding ourselves being drawn into that question for the first time, or not even there yet. And if that's where you're at, new in exploring Jesus, your opportunity, your clear opportunity to respond is beautiful and simple. Keep leaning into the life and love of Jesus. Keep finding yourself exploring that question of the book of Mark, who is Jesus? I don't wanna confuse you with things that may come later in your Christian walk. I wanna keep it simple if you're, you're at the beginning stages of your faith. And I'd love to journey through that with you. So talk with me after service or use that connection card to communicate that. But for those of us that are a step or more beyond the beginning stages of discipleship, we're looking at different levels of responsibility that come to all believers. What some have called the, the cost of discipleship. Recognizing that me giving my life over to the lordship of Jesus does not mean I retain control. So as we take our cues from the whole of scripture, there are some clear-cut things that believers, mature followers of Jesus, have a responsibility to do. The people of the church are, do have a responsibility to financially give through the local church that, that they call home and that they benefit from and are a part of. And that that's not just someone else's responsibility. Someone else here will take care of that. It's all of our responsibility. Now, it looks different from person to person and season to season, but I know it's a responsibility that I have. And I'm not just saying that, like, you don't have to take my word for it, like, oh, you're just saying that because you're a pastor. <laughs> Please, grab your Bible and see what God has to say for yourself. Same with service. Service. 
servanthood. Like giving, it looks different on different levels of our service to one another, but, but each of us is to, has a responsibility to discern what part of the body am I? What part of service am I supposed to be extending to those around me? How about language? <laughs> oh boy. We let ourselves off way too easy on this one, myself included. Watch how you talk about one another. Watch how you talk about the believer and the unbeliever alike. Watch how sharing concerns is actually your own attempt to justify gossip. John Mel's saying it, and John Mel has a responsibility to heed it, just like you do. Read the book of James. He's got a lot to say on that. Mission. Pastor Kerry in our missions office says it like this. Our goal is to provide on-ramps for every timberliner to activate their God-given responsibility in missions. Some go, some give above their tithe, some pray for the efforts in missions, some do it locally, some do it globally, some engage in our neighborhoods. But the church is supposed to be a going people unto you, as we talked about at Christmas time. It's a responsibility to follow the nudge. And lastly, our connections. We've talked about this a lot last week and then again this week. Our connections, not so much the program of connections is a clear-cut matter of obedience, but, but our relationships, our intimacy, the connections that you and I have together with one another, we have a responsibility to pour into one another's life. You have a responsibility to learn from other people around you that follow Jesus and they have a responsibility to learn from you. And so we each have those kinds of responsibilities. And again, if, if you want more about what I'm talking about there and what I intend there, I'd love for you to either go back to what we talked about last week or talk with me after service or, or use that connection card. We'd love to help you not leave it vague, but activate it. And before we're done here, any, any nudge things? I think there might be, and I will share, but, but please hear me before I do that. The most strong, beautiful, diverse way that the church, a multifaceted church family like this can be living out our faith is for you and I to be following in obedience in the clear-cut things that God tells us and listening and striving to follow the nudge things. But here's a couple of nudge things, I think, for this church family. Foster efforts. Yep, here it is again. And I honestly don't know why it's this and not some of the other great things that, that we are doing and we can be doing, but I would be honestly a little bit less vulnerable, a little bit less authentic if I didn't share this as a nudge that we're feeling for this church family. A nudge not just because we're personally engaged in it, but a nudge because the more I look out over this church family that we have and the church leadership that we have and the connection opportunities that we have with our community and the immense opportunity that we have here in Weld County, we could be a part of something really big here. If you're in our 
Tuesday morning men's ministry study or the Monday evening or, or Thursday morning women's study, over this next month, I'm going to be sharing some, some invites as kind of a trial thing in those groups. And for the next couple of months, we're going to try a couple of things out. And then starting on Orphan Care Weekend, the start of April, I'm going to share these things with us as a whole church family, efforts that we can really, unique efforts that we can really be making in foster efforts. And between now and then, like I said, we continue to strive to have all kinds of opportunities to serve and meet needs of people with foster efforts in ways that often surprise me how plentiful they are. So check them out. Maybe follow the nudge there. Look at the missions wall or, or contact Pastor John DeAnder or Pastor JD as I like to call him. I think for many of us, that might be a nudge thing that we could follow. And secondly, invite people alongside of us in the Mark series. I think believers and certainly mature covenant church members have a responsibility to be inviting people, not just to church but to experience Jesus. And over this Mark series, whether it's inviting people here in person to our services alongside of you or for our online community, sharing the, the links or the videos or the podcasts with people that you feel need to hear them, that might be a nudge that we take, a new renewed effort in inviting people alongside of us. You gotta see this Jesus. You gotta encounter who he is and what he's doing. Worship team, I'd love it if you rejoin me here on stage because it's gonna get a little awkward if you don't. Samuel's a cool dude. And, and with all of his pros and cons, struggles and successes, I will follow the rest of scripture's lead in viewing him as quite the inspiration, quite the success story. But Samuel was not the Christ. Our hope doesn't actually find itself in how well you or I follow the nudges. Our hope doesn't even find itself in, in whether or not we're consistent or faithful with the matters of clear-cut obedience. We find our hope in that wherever we're at, whatever decisions we make, our God is constantly coming after us and pursuing us and molding us and forgiving us and growing us. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray together. Almighty God, I pray that for this church family, for myself, you would spiritually, supernaturally help us discern where there are matters of clear-cut obedience for us. Where do I clearly need to be aligned with your will, God? Help me see that. And help me trust you, that you are a good God and calling us to worthy ways of aligning our lives with your will. Help us trust and entrust ourselves to your lordship in those matters of clear-cut obedience. And God, I also wanna pray for people that, that are in a season where they, they need to find themselves a little bit more open, a little bit more available to following your nudges. God, I pray for an ability in our souls to listen, 
practice listening. Recognize the voice of the Father when you're calling us. God, we praise you that whatever decisions we make, wherever we find ourselves in following the nudges or obedience, you are always with us. You are always for us. And you are always within us, growing us, developing us, giving us grace, and walking with us in line with your spirit. Amen. We hope you encountered the love and power of Jesus in today's service. If you're interested in giving, for joining serving opportunities, and much more, visit TimberlineChurch.org slash connect. Have a great week. Go be the church and let love live.